0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC, text 84850, Steve Allen on LBC morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunday Morning. It's Selby C. It's Steve Allen until
1: 8 o'clock this morning as we trawl and troll through the papers, finding you the stories that get you going, no, not them again, or good grief, they're still alive. I can't believe it. Uh, could this be more banal? Welcome to ITVB. You've never seen anything like this before. I mean, just the opening things alone with poor old... Um, uh, who was hosted, Jamelia and... Oh, something dreadful, dreadful. David Beckham's found another thing to jump on uh, to, uh, to campaign against. He's campaigning against Ebola now. I mean, you can't believe it, can you? Do you seriously believe that David Beckham has got the faintest idea what Ebola is? No, me neither. Whiskey one day, Ebola the next, or is it just more things to keep the profile right at the top of his game? I remember who the other presenter was, it was Peter Poor Andre who was doing a, a rather banal attempt as they as one of the TV critics said, watching Peter Andre present it 's like the bland leading the bland. Sarah Ferguson's back in favour that should please somebody, certainly not Prince Philip I shouldn 't think. Anyway, she's being allowed to use Windsor Castle for a party of three hundred of her closest friends, although whenever you see her out, she 's always by herself she didn 't know she knew three hundred people. You know, if you really want to go to Freebie Fergie's place, well, there's there's one coming up for you. Uh, In TOWIE, they're all splitting up all over the place, as indeed we predicted ages ago on this programme. I did tell you some time ago that I thought that poor old Chloe Sims, the world's oldest reality show star... I mean, what is she now, 70, 75, 80? Difficult to tell. And little Elliot Wright who's sort of been married, now he's not married, and sort of plays the Lothario, of a bit of a thug recently. You know, we've seen some nasty little episodes with him on the programme. Uh, they've split. Uh, it's only because, I think, a couple of weeks ago, she was making nesting noise and started saying, oh, I can't wait for him to ask me to marry him, and he must have gone, yeah, Reverend, a laugh, aren't you, love? I'm only with you for the publicity... I'm not with you for anything else. And so that's why. So they've split. They've announced that they're not together anymore. Oh, dear. Back on the shelf for poor Chloe and uh, playing the field for Elliot. I should imagine people must be throwing themselves at Elliot. And of course, uh, they didn't do that before because he was married. Then the marriage went west. wonder why that did. And um, then he picked up with Chloe because she was getting loads of coverage in The Only Way is Essex. And um, and then once he discovered that he could make it, he doesn't need her. He's ditched her. So she's sitting on the shelf by herself and he's off playing the field. The person that uh, Christo was talking about this morning was Doris Stokes, the medium. The dead medium. She's dead now. And I'll just explain what the story was. Doris Stokes used to do the same as a lot of these mediums. They go around, they sell out theatres and uh, they apparently contact the other side. Well, in the case of Doris Stokes, she was a fraud. A fraud from start to finish. She lied through her teeth on everything, and so they decided they were going to set her up on television. Not set her up in any other way, apart from they were curious as to how certain mediums managed to make contact with the other side. And so they've got little old Doris, who's a little white-haired old lady, a bit like that. You know, the kind you would trust until you realise what a fraud she was. And she's sitting there on the chair, Robert Kilroy's got an audience of people in, some of whom believed in things like that, I I always believe that the people who believe in mediums are the same people who believe in crop circles. Even if you presented them with the evidence of students with a torch and a piece of rope and a a broom handle and you showed them doing it, they still wouldn't believe it. They're that blinkered. So the people who want to believe in mediums, believe in mediums. And you could sit there till the cows come home saying, listen, it's just cold reading. That's all it is. It's cold reading with a little bit of guesswork that comes in. I don't believe any of them have got spirit guards, but that's my belief. I'm allowed a belief as well. They can believe that they can talk to the other side. I couldn't give a stuff. Not remotely interested. In the case of Doris Stokes, she sits there and uh, and they do the bit about, you know, do you hear voices? Yes, I hear voices from the other side coming through. And uh, otherwise, OK, it's OK. And then they said there's a couple here for the sake of, of this programme. This is uh, Brian and Rini And uh, Brian and Rini uh, came to one of your shows and you, you contacted their son who'd been killed. And, of course, I mean, Doris Stokes can't remember anything. She couldn't remember a name, I should imagine. And she goes, uh, oh, yeah. And um, and, so he sa- and so he said, you know, was it a comfort to you? He went, yes, it was a big comfort when he when he came through. And they said, D- did you not think that it was a bit odd that she managed to target you? And they went, no, not really. And so Robert Kilroy silk said, why? And they said, well, she sent us tickets for the show. What she'd done is, she'd gone, you know, she'd said, just hypothetically, you actually say, um, here we are, and we're playing, say, the Cliffs Pavilion in, um, I don't know, South End, okay? And I'm doing that a week Tuesday. So I find out what the local paper is. I either check it out online and I look for people who have been killed, people in road accidents, something like that, somebody was knifed to death or whatever. Because the chances are that these people are going to be going to your show. And just to guarantee that this couple went to Doris Stokes' show, she sent them a bunch of flowers and she sent them tickets for the show saying, come to the show. So she knew they were going to be there. She knew they were going to be there. So, of course, it wasn't very difficult for her to then say, oh, I've I've got, you know, Michael. Michael's coming through to me now. Michael's standing here. And and that's how it worked. In the case of... I don't know how the other ones do it. I've got no idea. Not really interested. I just think that there are certain things that are, that are strange and some things that aren't. But what I, what I don't like... And do you know what they, they worked at? Sally Morgan, for example. How much money do you think Sally Morgan is turning over? They reckon about 450000 a month. That's what they reckon she's turning over. Counting the stage shows, counting what people pay, counting the fact that it's all the family involved in it, it's low overheads. Very low overheads. The old man drives her and more on him a bit later. He turns out to be a nasty little homophobe. Whew. Sally Morgan's husband? Oh, dear God in heaven. I couldn't believe what I was watching on the internet. I couldn't believe the rantings of this man. He doesn't call gay people gay, he calls them poofs. He's a nasty piece of work. She's trying to backtrack and do damage limitation, but believe you me, this one I think could run. This one I think could be a runner in the sun this week. We'll wait and see, shall we? Anyway, so they go there, and out of an audience of, say, 600 people you know, you're going to talk to, what, five people, six people, something like that, and when they actually hit on it, because sometimes you notice they go, oh, I've got somebody here, oh, it's it's Zoe. No. Do you know anybody called Zoe? No. Does it begin with a Z? And that's what they start fumbling for. That's how bad it gets on some of them. They're on the television, everybody. Christo said it was his guilty pleasure watching Sally Morgan, because she's got one of these funny voices. Oh, he's he's here, darling, he's next to me. I looked on the stage, I saw nobody, nobody just her big fat bum on the stage which takes up most of it and I'm looking and she's going he's here with me now dear, he's here and the woman's, the woman's getting quite distressed by this I thought I'm not surprised because they definitely remember taking him to the crematorium and now all of a sudden he's come back and reassembled himself in front of the great Sally Morgan who of course has uh, Sally Morgan has, has dealt with the stars She's 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 dealt with Lee Ryan She told Lee Wright, she didn't tell him he was a bit of a dipstick and a pervert, but there you go, that's the best we could manage, isn't it? So anyway, so uh, more on Sally Morgan's husband later on. This was a a story about a guy who has been to a few of Sally Morgan's shows and he's handed out leaflets outside, you know, saying, you know, know, this woman's... Be very careful, because Sally Morgan is sold as an entertainment Christo pointed that out to you this morning. They sell her as an entertainment. They're not selling her as she contacts the dead. They're selling her as an entertainment. So she entertains, because in theory, if you charge money for this, I think you can go to prison. So it's, it's an interesting dilemma. But they reckon she's turning over about two million quid a year. That's what they reckon she's turning over. In between the books and the CDs and the tapes and the private readings and the stage shows, about two million quid a year. It's not bad, is it? It's not, I'm thinking of trying it myself. Thinking of trying it myself. Sure, it'll work. Uh, Ian says, the chap from the Trogs was a great believer in crop circles. I know he put all his royalties from Wild Thing into crop circles. All the royalties went back... Because because people want to believe. I, I don't have a problem with people wanting to believe. It's always the fact that they're as thick as bricks. that You can't get it through to them. That, you know, there are no things like spacecraft coming down, creating a, a crop circle and a geometric figure. It's just cobblers okay it's as simple as that it's as simple as that it's all done by students all done within a radius of a pub within five miles radius of this one pub which is right slap bang in the middle of the countryside it's where all the students go and they go out there with some torches and some graph paper and they do it with a piece of rope and a stick and they've been doing it for donkey's years donkey's years some of them are very complex and that's why people say they say it can only be done by people from outer space Why would people from outer space want to come down here in the middle of a field in Wiltshire and do a pretty design? Ask yourself the question, ladies and gentlemen. Goodness sake. Uh, Two very interesting guests today, Steve. Stephen Fry and uh, Sharon Corr. They were good, weren't they? They were good. I tell you, we've got so many good interviews coming up for you. Really, really so many good interviews. Next week, uh, I'm going to run David Badil, because he's got a show called The Infidel, which is out at the Theatre Royal Stratford East. And, uh, w- again, we had one of those... Ch- you're going to think you're hearing Deja Vu, because I talked to him about inf- infinity, and where it- because he has a theory, because he's an atheist. I've spoken to a lot of people recently who are atheists. But uh, Sharon call was lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Uh, we got some stories from The X Factor for you this morning. Who else did we... Well, Donny Osmond, you know, we did. And uh, Donny Osmond and Torval and Dean... And uh, who else we got? Oh, gosh, we've got um, Torvalon Dean, Hugh Grant, and who else? Oh, Ray Winston. Gosh, I, you know, I lost track this week. There were so many. We've got Gary Kemp coming up this week and uh, we've got somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. We've got loads and loads of people. Loads and loads of people. So all of that. Uh, the Apprentice starts next week. They've started coming up with their usual claptrap in the papers like, you know, uh, Lord Sugar holds no fear for me. I'm used to firing people. You think to yourself, isn't it funny? You've never heard of any of these people because they're all dipsticks. And they all sit there coming up with their little rehearsed lines. It's quite embarrassing, I'm afraid. Linda Bellingham has filmed her final Loose Women. They had to do it the other day because she obviously gets tired, so they've done it with the people she worked with. She worked with, which was quite nice. You've had to put up with the interviewing techniques of uh, Janet Street Porter and Colleen Nolan, but, you know, the rest of it's okay. They've all been reassembled. And it's a very brave thing to do. I'll probably do the same myself if I get to that stage. Uh, Carol Malone will talk about tax dodging. And uh, and the X Factor hopeful, Chloe Jasmine Wichello. Another naked picture thing that's appeared... Oh, it's just... Everybody's doing it. Everybody's at it like like sheep, I'm afraid. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Oh, and the uh, nervous X Factor hopeful. The moment I saw her, I knew there was history. I knew there was history for Stephanie Naylor. Apparently all her friends at school, so-called friends, have come out and said she was a bully. She made people's lives hell. Her little people have retaliated by saying she was bullied quite a lot at school. Because they always say that, don't they? They say the people who are bullied become the bullies. And in her case, she was. I don't believe a word of anything these people say. The uh, the ugly um, Italian bloke's got quite a good voice, but I mean, let's face it. What well, I, I must say, if Paul Potts can make it. I suppose it's hope for anybody. Quarter past six. Morning, everybody. Seventeen minutes past six. Sunday morning. Very exciting. Very cold. Very cold. So, uh, Linda Bellingham filming her tearful farewell with her TV pals. She wants to make it through to Christmas. That's what her objective is. Uh, I think she's tired now. She's going to stop the chemotherapy very, very shortly. Uh, everybody on the team has said, you know, we really hope she makes it through to Christmas. I'm not totally convinced she will. I'm not totally convinced she will. Uh, she's stopping. it. I think every day is an effort for her now. And it will become so because now we're into October. We're up to the 12th of October. I think by the time you get to the 12th of November, that's a month down the line, I think things will change dramatically. And I think she'll become... She's obviously getting more and more tired now. And I think when she stops the the chemo... I mean, she's got this goal. She wants to see Christmas. She wants to see Christmas. I don't know what the doctors have said to her. We're not privy to that kind of information, and I wouldn't want to know. But I'm just sort of thinking, judging by what she's having to do now... And she's trying to get stuff in. It's you know she will. I know because I've been with people who've been through exactly the same. They go through fine, fine, and then then they start getting tired. Then they start getting very tired. And I think she will. She will do that. Uh, somebody said here. I saw it at a, at a charity uh, event the other week, and I thought she was barely recognisable because that's what happens. There's no point in beating around the bush. I think we have to be totally honest about everything nowadays. We must be the only country in the world that can't deal with people dying. We're just rubbish at it. We're just rubbish. We just fall apart and it's difficult. Whereas, in fact, the more we talk about it, the better it makes it. And when I first saw the pictures of Linda, I thought she has that look, that look of somebody who who has not got much longer to live. But they'll make her as comfortable as possible. That's what we do. We make people as comfortable as possible. She's so lucky she's got so many friends, because that makes a lot of difference. Because bearing in mind, there are people going through this, they're going through it by themselves. She's going through it with the help of a lot of people, um, in the same way as when when one of the Bernie Nolan died. Exactly the same thing. They've got the family, and they've got people around them. The fact that they were all arguing at the last minute, of course, I suppose it's neither here nor there. But it's, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? It's a very difficult thing. You might be going through it, um... Yourself in your family, so you know exactly what she's going through. She's putting on the brave face. She's making sure that she she's in show business. She's been in show business for donkey's years, and that's you know it. The show goes on. Eight four eight five oh. Keith in Wiltshire says, with regard to crop circles, we're not all students. Ah, oh, you don't need a degree. No, you you don't need uh, a degree at all for doing crop circles. But they've been being done by people for years. I just I think it's hilarious. I wish somebody would bring out. Nobody's ever brought one out. On how to do a crop circle. As far as I know there is no perhaps I'll bring one out. Perhaps I shall contact you, Keith, and then we can go down and you can show us how you make it late at night and then we can pretend we can pretend it was a spacecraft that came down from another planet. And uh, a little thing like E. T. the dog goes and E. T. Is standing there and he goes and all of a sudden there's a crop circle. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Uh, 84850, CVLBC.co.uk. Uh Colin Fry is uh, is another television medium. Oh, uh, they all do it, don't they? I've seen Colin Fry's show. He he appears on one of the ITV channels in the the morning. And, uh, and they... Oh, uh, my spirit guide's here. Oh, what's happening? Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, look at this. Oh, I've got a lady with me. And as opposed to asking her name, it's like when, when sort of Sally Morgan <laughs> has the... Oh, he's here, darling. He's here with me now. You think, well, ask him a question. Ask him a question. But she never seems to ask them questions. So so perhaps the dead people are psychic as well. That'd be funny, wouldn't it, really, if if all of a sudden this person materialised in front of them. You because know, we've had programmes, haven't we, on the television, in the papers, where they, they bring out the barking man, and they say, well, I saw this ghost, and it walked through a wall, and, oh, go away, for God's sake, it's just rubbish. I keep saying this building should be chock-a-block with them. If London has got as many ghosts as we think, all the people around the Tower of London, at night-time, it must be, I mean, it must be a, a whole sea of ectoplasm. People wandering around, walking through castle walls, with holding their heads under their arms and things like that. going, I was murdered here some years ago, I was, I was so, Misses. But uh, now all we get is Sally Morgan and her gigantic arse up on the stage saying, he's here, love, he's here with me now. And you think, where? Where is he? I've looked around that stage, there's nothing on it, I'm telling you. <laughs> he says, oh, do join us next year. I think somebody should bring out a DVD. I mean, somebody should really, somebody sent me one. Do you remember I told you the story? Some barking mad person sent me this DVD about crop circles and how they're real. And so of course I poo-pooed it, you know, being a normal, sane person with a brain between my ears. Uh, this woman then wrote to the manager and said, it's absolutely disgraceful, Steve Allen. And so they said, have you still got this thing? I said, oh, cross, I don't know, might have, might not. Oh, she wants it back. I thought, well, don't send anything in if you want it back again. I was determined to erase it with a magnet, but I was lucky I didn't. I didn't have a magnet, so I had to send it back. I was toying with the idea of sending it back without a postage stamp on it, just to make it more interesting. <laughs> I love that. But it is funny, is it, that people so want to believe in in things from another planet. They so want to believe, because we've been fed this diet of dandere and little green... And they're always little green men. I don't know why they'd be green. What logical reason was there for being green? I suppose it's because Robin Hood was about at the time, and he was always dressed in green. So he matched him with the leaves. Must have made it hell come autumn. when all of a sudden, you know, you could, you could, you could see the trees, but you could see Robin even clearer in there. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk and i shall uh, weave everything in on the programme uh, for today. So, um, oh, there was the other story, wasn't there? And I only dreamt about this the other day. I mentioned the statue of Eric Morecambe being up there and I thought, I'm surprised that no tow rag has tried to cut it down and sell it for scrap. Lo and behold, somebody did it the other day in Morecambe at lunchtime. A 32-year-old idiot, quite clearly a drunk you know, it must be. I mean, why would you go up there with a hacksaw and start trying to hack the statue down? So, anyway, they've actually taken it away now and they've uh, covered up the area. I mean, we've just got so many stupid people in this country. We seem to have a plethora of them, don't we? It's Eric Morkum, for goodness sake. Just leave him alone. Oh, good news. Good news for the Strictly fans. Uh, Ola Jordan, otherwise known as that dreary old bag with the nasty piece of work as a husband, has given the clearest hint yet she's unlikely to return to the show next year. Oh, good. Can we have it in writing, Ola? I Only ask you, dear, now, because I know, I know. I'd I'd, I'd hate to think this was a publicity stunt, and that anybody was remotely interested in anything you said. Apparently, she's unhappy that bosses axed her husband James from the lineup. Well, he was rubbish, dear, and he was, and then he went on to that hilarious program, Celebrity Big Brother. And of course, he's not a celebrity or your brother. What was he doing on there? Answer: He was a nasty piece of work. And uh, three weeks ago, she says, "I don't, I don't, I don't know what accent she's got. I don't know if I'll come back. This is the ninth series." I said I wanted to do ten series, but I never thought I'd be doing the show without James. But, hey, I'm doing it. Oh, leave. For God's sake, leave. Do us all a favour, love. Nothing worse than a whinging dancer at 32. And apparently she's revealed she's working long hours in rehearsals just to stay in the contest with her dance partner. Oh, dear. You're not getting paid for it, love. What is it? Whinging, whinging dancers. Even worse. I mean, you could be. End of the pier at Blackpool, couldn't you, love, in a little show there? Because that's about it. She says, uh, I think I have killed him, but every day with me is a hard day. I said, are you just some moaning old Mary? You're getting paid decent money. and all you is moan that your dreary husband was axed and that it's hard work. I'm sorry, love. I'm, if you thought it was a romp in the park, you're in the wrong show. Try Disney on Ice. That's a very good one for you. They might tax you as well, I should imagine. God, dear. Nasty Nick's back in EastEnders and nastier than ever. That's good. See, I like it when they're nasty. I like it when they're nasty. And guess what? They must have been listening to this programme. Because they're bringing back Martin Fowler, but it's with a different person. It's not James Alexandru. I wanted James Alexandru back. I was campaigning for James Alexandru. That was the whole idea. I wanted James Alexandru to come back to EastEnders because he's great. And he'd be fantastic. But they found another actor, who is he's, he's a relative unknown. His name's James By. You He'll know, make his debut this winter... And, uh, believe it or not, viewers will see Martin, played by this new guy, attempting to patch up things with Sonia, played by Natalie Cassidy. Well, she's still in it. Well, how old's this one? This is ridiculous. She must be about 70 by now. Good grief. No, they should have brought James Alexandru back. You know that, because we did him for In Conversation, and I said, I want to see you back in EastEnders. So they brought him back, but with somebody else. What's the matter with these people? Why can't they bring back James Alexandra? I mean, very nice, you know, that they've given somebody a, a bit of a go. But to be honest with you, I mean, you know, I want James Alexandra back. I'm waving the flag. I'm waving the flag, please. Nasty Nick's coming back. Uh, he's been Walford's Nasty Nick since 1985. He lives down the road from me, actually. He lives down the road. He lives uh, and he does a lot of work at the Rose Theatre in Kingston, which is, uh, which is lovely. Uh, what else in the papers for today? Oh, there's all sorts of strange... Oh, um, I wanted to bring you this story, only because people... You, you wouldn't, you might not know who he is, actually. His name is Mike Morris, and he was a breakfast TV host. He was there with Lorraine Kelly and Anne Diamond, and he died uh, a short while ago. He wasn't very old, actually. Um, Well, I mean, he was, you know, he was in his his 50s, I think. But he died after NHS staff failed to act on warning signs following surgery. He had a heart attack hours after a bladder cancer operation. His condition deteriorated on the ward, but staff failed to move him to a high dependency unit. At one point, uh, a senior house officer on call at East Surrey Hospital uh, talked... To a critical care worker about escalating Mr. Morris's care, but it never happened because he was distracted by another patient. Mike was 66. Incident. He died because his condition was not recognised and went untreated. I love this afterwards, Doctor Des Holden from the trust. He says, uh, "We've apologised to Mr. Morris's family." Well, a fat lot of bloody use that is, pal. You've you've apologised well, because he's dead, because you missed it, because somebody said you need to move this man here to, you know, for escalating care. And then you got distracted with somebody and and so he didn't get the care he wanted. And you've apologised to his family. I hope they do the same for you one day. I mean, it's ridiculous. No members of staff have been disciplined. And the verdict was narrative. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. Narrative. Does that mean incompetent buffoons? No member of staff has been disciplined because Mike Morris died at the age of 66 because they spotted that he needed the care, but then they got distracted. Probably somebody brought in some hot food that looked interesting. They went, oh, look, some hot... I'm going to have some of this over here. So, consequently, he died because his condition was not recognised and went untreated. The trust has apologised to Mr Morris's family and introduced measures for high-risk patients. Oh, it'll be useful in a hospital, won't it? Of course, all this comes down, as you will discover later on this morning, because when we read one of the uh, columnists today, Carol Malone, she said, and I'll, I'll quote it word for word for you later on, but she talks about Gary Barlow, who said this week that the fans don't really care about whether or not people are not paying all their taxes. And she went, no, I'm sure they don't. Unfortunately, people in NHS hospitals might be caring a little bit more, Mr Barlow, because we're not getting the money in there to make sure that we've got people in who know exactly what they're doing. So when they spot a critical condition, they can do something about it. That would make more sense, wouldn't it? If, of course, you paid all the tax you were due to be paying. But, of course, let's... What the hell, Gary, eh? You've got a new album out to promote and a new single, and there's probably a tour as well. So, sod the people dying in the hospitals. You just enjoy yourself and bring out another album. Oh, dear, it does make you sick, doesn't it, really? Uh, enjoy the chat with uh, Stephen Fry, says Kay. Uh, you were wrong when you said the moon isn't mentioned in the Bible. It's, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't talk about the moon at all. Never mentioned the moon. You see? You're obviously deaf as well. I didn't mention the moon. Never mentioned the moon. Never mentioned the moon once. And I, I don't know what you were listening to, but it certainly wasn't me. Uh, saw you sing the Beyonce s- uh, song on the tube. Very funny. You should go to the X Factor, says Des. Yes, the extra factor. The extra factor. <laughs> the extra factor. And, uh, and Jane says, I wish somebody had created a crop circle in my overgrown garden. Save on Gardening. And the gardener, yes, I agree, I agree. I like the idea. I like the idea of, ex- of of sort of people having crop circles. I just like the idea that you can wind people up who want to believe in it. They go oh it 's little green men from outer space, and we all know it 's not we know it's it 's studenty types and people who just want to create something that 's actually technically it 's very pretty. The only downsize is it really upsets the farmers because that 's their crop they 're supposed to be harvesting that crop, and if it 's all flattened down it 's a bit of a pain isn 't it really. A time check for you on Sunday morning. I don't generally do time checks on Sunday morning because, to be brutally frank with you, I'd much rather you just lay in bed listening to the programme, perhaps with a piece of toast. Not to be Christo, because he can't just eat one piece of toast. Which, of course, if you saw a picture of him, you would realise it's six (laughs) thirty. Twenty-seven minutes to uh, seven. Good luck to all the runners in today's Royal Parks half marathon. I wonder why, as I drove down the Mall, there is piles and piles of water pallets, about six foot high with water on there. So everybody is going to be running today. And, in fact, Winnie's taking her nephew along to watch it in Hyde Park. And then we're going to see the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film. And have a wander about London, have something to eat. There's something going on in Trafalgar Square, and that's, that's part of the marathon thing as well. I don't know, lots of little stalls that appear to be uh, set out, so that could be part of it as well. So I'm... Go- oh, they don't run around. I just realised I'm going to see the Rembrandt exhibition. So cultured. So cultured. They, uh, you think I'm going to a screening of The Only Way Essex. no. No, I'm definitely not. Lovely picture in the sun today of... I didn't know who it was, actually. It's so airbrushed. turns out to be Sam Fahiers. And uh, you think, my God, you're airbrushed within an inch of your life. It's unrecognisable. Somebody showed you a picture and said, who's that? And they go, I don't know, who is it? They go, it's Sam Fahiers, whatever her name is. Oh, blimey. That's a quick sex change for you. And... uh... (laughs) Not the oldest we've seen today. There is one in the front of the papers. She's uh, an 81-year-old. She's had a sex change at 81, proving that there's uh, no age limit on this thing. Anyway, so here's a picture of Sam Fahears. She's got a a calendar out, but the the picture is of somebody completely different. Never seen it. Oh, dear, good Lord love. I'm sorry, this is uh, Tory Brooks Newmark, who's... I mean, what on earth was going through his mind? I mean, there is a picture of him standing in his bathroom. I'm sorry. Pebble Dash? I don't think so. (laughs) Not my idea of fun at all. It's a very plain bath. There appears not to be a shower there. If there is, it's the other end of the bath. And he's holding his camera up to the mirror and he's standing st- stark naked there. I mean, to be honest with you, if you're that unattractive, keep it covered, really. And so they've, they've luckily spared you the offending article. But he's smiling as he's doing it and you think, you're an MP. I mean, <laughs> it would be like... I mean, I'm trying to think of anything that would be more ridiculous. The Queen Mother doing a selfie... You know, in the bathroom. You know, it would it would be equally ludicrous. You just go, This just would never happen and when you see this man here, you think, You're an MP you've got five children. His wife has now quit home. I'm not at all surprised. I'm not at all surprised. He says, I take full responsibility. Well of course you do. It's you naked, with a deeply, deeply unattractive body, sending pictures to as it turns out, it's a male journalist pretending to be a woman. So they've got that. Oh, there we are. We're lucky. We, we did find a woman on the following pages, and uh, this is a, a woman. She lives in uh, Cardiff. She's a beautician. That reads budding model, and she's single mother, and uh, she's got big booms. Th- and stick them out the front because she obviously wants a, a, a career in something. And so she found this this bloke online, um, and he's a, he's a footballer, Antonia Valencia, and so they start having a chat online, obviously on one of these chat group kind of things, and then he sends a picture of his bits to her. And she's disgusted, yeah, because she's a single mum and she comes from Cardiff, so she's bound to be offended by just about everything. And um, and she says here some of his messages were dirty and and it was awful. And he also he can't speak English properly, even though he's been here for eight years. And so it goes on. You know, I mean, quite clearly she was reveling in this because it's the only chance she's ever had as a beautician to try and make some money. So she's called him a creep. She says, I didn't know he had a wife and child till she Googled him, and suddenly worked out, wait a minute, there's money to be had here. And so off she goes, and she sells her story to the paper. Apparently, she says, he's got a reputation as a family man. All he wants is sex. What he's doing is wrong. This from a single mother from Cardiff. I rest my case, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, you know, here she's is, beautician. I call me model. And uh, she says, I thought he was just a disgusting creep. Uh, she says, that's what he expects, and I don't want just sex. Really? Oh, no, because you've already had that, haven't you? So I suppose you're looking for something else. What, cream cakes or something? I don't know. But anyway, it's lovely that they managed to find you a top that your bosom just about fits into in the sun this morning. Here's the the bully from The X Factor, the nervous, hopeful Stephanie Nala. And uh, they say she was a school bully who made life hell for other girls, former classmates, millions of... People saw her. She says she was a bullying victim and lacks confidence. She battled to conquer her jitters, and so it goes on. But uh, her ex-schoolmates have said different. They've called her a hypocrite. And uh, uh, one says, Steph made my life a living hell for four years. She'd say, I was fat and threatened me. I went home crying again and again. I was terrified. She was known for starting fights. She looks a nasty piece of work. I'm so, you know, sometimes you, when somebody comes on stage, you think, I bet you've got form. I bet you've got something in your life. The claims have been backed up by another girl who says Steph and her friend would follow me in my friend's home throwing stones and screaming insults. Names like goth and lesbian and stuff like that. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. She's actually... She wants everybody to think she's sweet and innocent, but actually she's an intimidating so-and-so. The second I saw her on TV, I switched off. Anyway... Uh, One one girl says, I had to uh, move school because of her. Oh, dear, you nasty piece of work, Stephanie. It's not good, is it, really? You know, only the beginning of the show and already you're the nasty little bully. And uh, not just one person, quite a number of people, quite a number. And uh, one here, uh, some girl wrote on Facebook, I've just seen Steph on X Factor. It's such a shame she's going to gain success when she's made girls feel worthless. Don't worry, we can kick her off. We can kick her off the probe. It's not difficult, girls. It's not difficult. This was uh, incessant anger among the girls there. They said she was being bullied, and uh, one said that her, her sister was a victim. And so, uh, a show source from the X Factor, because they, they don't know what to do with people like this. Because when they go there, they obviously go, Do you have anything in your past? You know, OK, should we start now? Have you ever been in trouble with the police? Have you ever bullied anybody? Ever been a hooker? Ever posed naked? OK, are your parents still together? Okay, Are you a single mother? You know, you have to tick all the right boxes to make sure they've got somebody. But, of course, these people lie. They They don't tell them the truth. So they say, Steph is completely devastated by these claims, as she was so often the victim of bullying at school. Well, how do they know that? Is it because she told them that, that's what she's told them. So the uh, the show's source, not really very reliable, I'm afraid. Because uh, okay, Steph, so uh, you you bullied these girls? No, I was bullied. Oh right, uh, no, Steph was bullied at school, and that apparently then goes down as verbatim. That's what it is. She's putting all this behind her and focusing on singing. Oh, that's great. That's great. Punch a few people out and then just. But I still want to sing. La 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 <laughs> la la. La 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 la. La, 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 la. Yeah, I'm afraid you've not won me over, Steph. I thought there was something the matter with the other night. I quickly watched, I tuned in. It was very nice to see the uh, the unattractive Italian bloke singing, which was, I think, a Michael Jackson song. She sang very well. He won't win. Well, actually, he 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 might win, but of course they'll be concentrating on the pretty boys, won't they? Because you can't really sell an unattractive Italian, even though he was he was good. He was good. So once, once we got rid of Stephanie Nala, that'll be good. You know, there's something about it. I'm sorry, you just cannot wipe these things away. You cannot be a bully at school. You know, if so many people are coming out saying you're a bully, I'm inclined to agree. I'm inclined to agree, because otherwise i are be going, I don't want to give my name, I don't want to do this. And, you know, you can't then go, oh, i I'll just concentrate my singing. I'm sorry, you can't airbrush this, dear. You can't airbrush it. If you're a nasty person, then we need to know you're a nasty person. And, um, and we don't. And we don't. So there you go. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Alan Hanson is set to infuriate B-bosses by being signed up by ITV. Why would that infuriate them? Why would that infuriate them? Apparently he's being lined up to star in a celebrity panel quiz show. Oh, God, not another one. Don't you just worry about it. So who else have we got on this uh, thing here? Uh, In a move to further annoy BBC bosses, Lee Mack who hosted They Think It's All Over for the last series before it was axed, may also be signed up. I mean, people move, don't they? Though That's that's the thing nowadays. People move television station. They go from here, they go to there. They're not exclusively signed up to any of these things at all. Definitely not. Oh, look, here's a picture of... It's a goth, isn't it? Oh, no, I do beg your pardon. It's Colleen Rooney. How funny. Here She's she's out looking a bit goth. I don't know, she spends all this money on really expensive outfits. Where do you wear them, dear? Well, I mean, I've asked this time and time again. Because every time she goes out, she's dressed a bit you know she's she's not she's not what I call you know if she spends all her time in cricket, which is this very expensive shop and and the shop assistants there like people like Colleen going in there because it's not cheap, and so they all go oh look Colleen oh you look lovely in that really Sue she's cause she buys them she doesn't realise she's got nobody to wear the blooming things so she takes it all home she's got loads of bags puts them in the car and um, and then she gets home and Wayne goes uh, what what you bought today just spent five thousand pounds on clothes again and he goes where well, you going to wear those in the kitchen. Because she doesn't go anywhere, she just seems to wander out by herself with a photographer. And so she's wearing somebody else's hair, which has obviously been stapled to her head. And, uh, and now I think she. Oh, I've just realised. How stupid are you, Stephen? <sighs> she's gearing up for Halloween, isn't she? Halloween is around the corner. Every shop I go into now has got something for Halloween. Perhaps there's a Colleen Rooney doll or something that's being manufactured for Halloween. It's either that or she's going to be sitting on top of our bonfire come November the fifth, which is probably a slightly better place for her. It's interesting, isn't it? That these people sort of go out there and there just happens to be a photographer taking she's got this enormous bag with her. Enormous because she's not blessed with height. She's not blessed with height. And so she's got this and I don't know what she's got. Perhaps there's another head in there or something like that. And she sort of takes off the ugly head and then puts on the pretty head. But she's wearing, and it looks like a sweatshirt and sort of really cheap, chabby boots, and they, which probably cost a small fortune, you know, because they've got loads and loads of money, haven't they? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, my Godfathers, what's that? Oh, yes, I, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't like to bring you bad news, unless it makes us smile. But now we know that Elliot Wright and Chloe Sims have, uh, have finished. Apparently they are both cut up about it. They'd introduced their kids to one another. Oh, it's so classy in Essex. Isn't that fantastic? This, this is Mummy's latest... Like the revolving door on the bedroom. And uh, this is his children. And look, this is mine. It's fantastic. It's so lovely, isn't it? Dear Lord above. Dear Lord. It's a bit like Jordan. I wonder if they ever have a time where all the kids' fathers get together and they all sort of sit down having a piece of birthday cake. No, I didn't think so either, actually. Actually, I did pick up one of these magazines. You know, I love these magazines. I'm going home on the train from Waterloo. I like to pick up a magazine. And I picked up Reveal this week. And Reveal is Is Kieran Cheating on Me? Katie's Panic. OK, you ready, Katie? Yes. <laughs> there you go. Enjoy that one. Close the magazine. Uh, Lauren Goodyear, who says here, I feel sexy whatever my weight. <sighs> Maybe not, dear. Maybe not. But the funniest quote of the week, I'm afraid, has to come from Gemma Hut Collins, who says here, No diet has ever worked for me, so I've learnt to embrace who I am. The trouble is, darling, nobody else can embrace you because you're too fat. It's not a case of no diet has ever worked. It's because you're too bone-idle and you stuff your face with cheap, chronically bad-for-you food. That's why. It's not a case of no diet's ever worked. You've never done anything. You've tried four on the programme and each time you've been a total waste, haven't you? You've just given up halfway through because it's just all about you. Well, eventually you're going to go bang, dear. And that's it. 84850stevedlbc.co.uk Mind you, not just Chloe Thims, one with a funny voice, and Elliot Wright, equally funny, Uh, who've been having a bad time in Towie Land. The producers have had crunch talks with a few other cast members uh, because they've been grumbling about their future. Jessica, no talent or personality right, and Ricky Raymond, who's her little boyfriend, who sounds like a drag queen from Blackpool. Doesn't look like it, but by God, I tell you, he's not there in the looks department. They both came in to complain, to complain, if you ask yourself, because they didn't get enough airtime. Ricky was particularly irate about being cut from the Abitha special. Has to be said, Ricky, there's no, there's no personality there. And for Jessica as well, it's very sweet, but I think it's about time you both went, really. I mean, you know, to give you a chance to try and sort of establish yourself as something. Uh, and then Gemma Collins and Bobby Norris were also debating their future. Oh, I think both of you leave. I think both of you... I mean, Bobby because his life's going nowhere, and Gemma because if she stays off the television, then perhaps she can just sort of eat and eat and eat, and then just go bang and we'll see the last of her. I can't think of any else. And, I mean, the only one who's, who who could be left is Nanny Pat. Only because she's got no idea where she is, has she? You see her wandering in there and they go, oh, look, Nanny Pat's here again as she wanders through a wall. and that's, You know, I just think, oh, leave the poor old soul. She's happier in her own little world called oblivion. 14 to 7. Pretty nice to be company. 13 minutes to 7. Still to come, how vile is Sally Morgan's husband? Seriously, I couldn't believe this. I absolutely couldn't believe it. We'll tell you about it this morning. Uh, also, um, there's one here, warning to Corrie's Jack... This story's been running and bubbling under for about four weeks now. You could regret not seeing your sick son. This is Jack P. Shepherd, who's had a son with, uh, with a one-night stand. And uh, this son's great. He's a cute, cute little lad... But uh, he, he's he's made some real mistakes, Jack P. Shepherd. Nobody ever said that actors had to be intelligent. Uh, this one's kind of plumbed new depths, as far as I'm concerned. Mainly when he was talking about the dogs that died in that dreadful kennel fire, and then other comments that he's made. Then he had to delete his Twitter account because people were were sort of having a go at him. I mean, quite rightly so. I have to I have to say, uh, because it's just uh, it's just absolutely dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Some of the things that he's said, and so now the uh, the girlfriend has. Uh, Gone in the papers and said uh, to Grayson, that's what they call the kid, Grayson, his father is just another man on television, it's so sad. Yes, I mean, I don't quite understand why these actors go like this. They sort of have their little fling and then they just dump. She's a very pretty girl, Sammy, and Grayson, who's got a rare genetic disorder. He's a lovely little kid, he really is. And she says, if I saw Jack in the street, I'd just carry on walking. It's awful, isn't it, really? It's awful because he's so, you know, so you feel like shaking people and going, why is it that you just totally ignore these uh, these people? This is your son, for goodness sake. Fears are growing for Muhammad Ali, once famed for his lightning speed and even faster tongue. He's now so ill he can barely speak. He's 72. He's got Parkinson's disease. He's had it for years. He's becoming frail. He's more and more housebound and uh, things not not looking good at all for him at the moment. Have you any idea, says Polly, how stressful being a hospital doctor is? Yeah? Well, that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. And actually, Steve, an apology from a hospital after such errors doesn't some odd way help. Really? I'm sure it does, yes. I'm terribly sorry that uh, that we sort of had other things to do in the ward and we didn't give your father the uh, the care he should have had. So he died. <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic thing. Fantas- I'm sorry, Polly, I don't see that as an excuse at all. I really don't. This is the NHS, dear. This isn't some backstreet abortionist. This isn't. This is the NHS... This is a hospital. It's a big hospital. They're supposed to be in touch with things like that. They'd already said he needed serious care. And then they got sidetracked with something else. They got sidetracked. You know, why did they not just go back again? You know, ridiculous. Ridiculous, I'm afraid. So uh, I'm not I'm not accepting it as an apology. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses shock allegations to rock the church that preaches door-to-door. The sex abuse cover-up. Good Lord. Victims sue church of perverted elder... I don't think this is uh, in this country. Is it in this country? Wait a minute. Uh, Yes, it is in this country. Apparently three of this man's victims have waived their anonymity to tell of the horrendous uh, things that happened within the Jehovah's Witness church. I don't know enough about the Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm sorry to say. I should know more about them. Are they the ones who come round door to door? And they they sort of knock on the door and ask you if you want help or something. Is that the Jehovah's Witnesses or is that the Mormons? I don't know. Who who is the Church of Latter day Saints? The Seventh. I I don't know. That's the Mormon, is it? Oh, right, okay. Well, anyway, they've got one here. I suppose, really, if you are a sexual pervert, I suppose the easiest thing to do is to go into the church. As Christo was saying earlier on this morning, the Catholic Church's history, I'm afraid, is absolutely abysmal. And so here they say. Every week, women tell me of flashbacks and nightmares. This is widespread child sex abuse and rape by senior church members covered up by Jehovah's Witnesses. Elders have been accused of brainwashing abused women and girls and not going to the police so the church can maintain its squeaky clean image. Good Lord. Uh, They're said to have not taken enough action against suspected paedophiles in its ranks. How many paedophiles are there? I mean, it's it's everything paedophiles. I mean, we can go to the fish and chip shop and discover paedophiles there as well. Because every church has got it. Every church has got it, haven't they? Their lawyer, apparently two women who were sexually abused, are filing papers saying the church has failed in its duty. And uh, the lawyer has warned this could be the tip of the iceberg, likening it to the sex scandals which have rocked the Catholic Church. It's claimed there are at least 15 other victims in the UK. Wow. There's one here who was uh, abused by this uh, man. And uh, the, the, there's a letter sent to British elders from head office in New York, also decrees not every child abuser is a predator. Uh, nice to know they're, they're on top of the uh, the thing at the moment. Um, some people are being abused again by the church and saying, you are abusing Jehovah's name, so don't speak to her, don't do anything about it. There was a case in the paper the other day, I don't know if you saw it. I saw it on the television and they warned us, it was shocking images. And it's a church group in China who believe that Christ has come back in the form of a woman. OK. And so they go in to this place in Guangdong or wherever it was. It was like a fast food place. And they, they ask people for their phone numbers. Give me your phone number. Give me a phone number. So that they can contact them and then brainwash them into joining their, their church, as they call it. Anyway, this woman says no, goes to move away. They beat her to death on the floor of this fast food place. I mean, literally beat her to death. So five of them are up in court in China the other day, not having the best human rights um, history. And two of them have been sentenced to death. And one of them, when he was interviewed in, in prison, said, I don't regret it at all. She, she wouldn't uh, join our church, and so I beat her until she was dead. And you think, you're mad, aren't you? You're totally mad. It's not going to make any difference. That's why I've said before, having a death penalty isn't going to make any difference at all to anybody. It's not going to... All of a sudden people go, oh, I don't think I'll do this because there's the death penalty. But I do worry about, you know, the Catholic Church and now the Jehovah's Witnesses. I suppose it must be every church, wasn't it? It's either, I suppose you should be grateful, really, that your, your minister goes off with somebody from the congregation as opposed to one of the choir boys. You're supposed to be grateful for things like that nowadays. Uh, Charlie Catchpole, he says, Viewers have criticised... The BBC for implied rape in East EastEnders involving the pub, pub landlady and nephew. A spokesman blathered on about the show's rich history of tackling difficult issues and how they hoped the story would raise awareness of sexual assaults. Cobblers, as they say down Walford Way, says Charlie Catchpole. It's about ratings raising, sagging ratings, nothing else. Yes, exactly, that's what it is. Even though they're doing it properly, they're talking to the rape crisis centres and, and they're doing it in the way that it, uh, that it should be done. Uh, he talks about uh, Tamara Eccleston, who's confused about what toast is or isn't. She says, it's called bread or toast when it's not toasted. Good question. Good question. He says, if Tamara Eccleston speaks and nobody hears her, does she still talk twaddle? And uh, ex-Cory Floozy turned magazine totty. Helen Flanagan's ambition is to play a stars-crossed lover, the female lead in Romeo and Juliet. Titter ye not, as Shakespeare almost wrote, did my heart love till now? forswear its sight for I ne'er saw true beauty till this night and a lovely pair of knockers as well and uh, that could have been Shakespeare so that's Charlie Catchpole writing in the papers for today the sad news is and I know that you'll all be with all the music lovers around the world that Subo's been silenced she gets over to America to start doing a couple of her little shows and uh, after 30 minutes the voice goes I always think it's divine intervention from the Lord I always think he's decided he's going to spare us from, from Susan Boyle <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Susan Foyle. Jimmy Tarbuck in the papers, as it was announced the other day that Paul Gambaccini will face no charges uh, at all. Jimmy Tarbuck, returning to the Palladium after 50 years, he says the sex accusers must be named. Must be named. There's a leading barrister as well who has now said, this is ridiculous, in the light of the Paul Gambaccini, one year it has taken. He said if they don't have anything within three months, he said they should drop it immediately. Drop it immediately. A year this has gone on. An absolute year. And when uh, Jimmy Tarbuck steps on stage in front of millions of TV viewers tonight, it will mark a comeback and the end of a nightmare. He says, I was thrilled to be invited back. He's 74. I did, I did bump into him at, uh, at a charity event a short while ago, actually, because uh, I was trying to get him on the programme. This is before all of this, all of this broke. But uh, it was in 2013 that he was arrested by police acting on information from officers And uh, he spent nearly a year on police bail. During that time, he was unable to work. But in March, he was told there'd be no charges over an allegation of child sex abuse in the 70s made by six individuals. Well, the trouble is they have to really start naming these people because otherwise, you know, as I think Cliff Richard has said to people, who is this person? Who are they? I've got no idea who they are. Tell me who they are. Because some people, bearing in mind there's a lot of people with a lot of illnesses out there, I'll just put it as politely as I can, you know, and when these things come to nothing, at the end of the day you have to start thinking, are these just mad people who go to the police and go, oh, this happened because they've got a fixation? I know that there was a a woman who used to come here to this building. She thought she was married to one of the DJs. She would sit here waiting for him to finish his shift. Not on this station. And uh, nobody would marry anybody on this station. And uh, she was mad as a broomstick. She thought she was married to this person. And it can be quite frightening when these people turn up. Because you don't know them, but they think they know you. Oh, sorry. It's me banging the microphone this morning. Not very good. Uh, apparently, crop circles blatantly get made, Stephen ditchling. I see them on my way to Brighton most evenings. Oh, uh, and some... Some psychics have their staff trawl the guests in line while on their way into the show. Well, that would be it, wouldn't it? I mean, that's how you would, you know, you want, you want to start off with something. But I always think that if, if you watch these uh, people and you watch them working, that they've either got a spirit guide with them or they've got a deaf and dumb spirit guide. Because they go, oh, so you've got, um, is it Brian? Is it, is it Br-? Well, either it is Brian or it isn't Brian. Let's not faff around like this. Because at the moment they start doing that, I go, you're a fake. You know, because either your spirit guide is speaking English or Swahili. So, in other words, when they say, Oh, uh, Muriel? Does Muriel mean? Are you hearing that? What is the spirit guide saying? Are they going, Mm-mm. What's that? Is that Muriel? What is it? Mm- Mary? I mean, who is it? These spirit guides, they're obviously, perhaps they're drunk. Perhaps they're drunk. Because it does make me laugh. But Sally Morgan's the most hilarious one. Oh, he's here, darling. He's here. Where? He's not anywhere in your mind he might be there, but I promise you, for the rest of us, he ain't there at all. You know why? Because he's brown bread. It's as simple as that. We had him cremated, he ain't coming back in any way, shape or form. He's not talking to you, dear, because he's got no vocal cords. Okay? let's try and lay this on the line. You know, try and push it all to one side, but you wait, because you will see online the the Mark Tilbrook video. I have to tell you about this story. This is Sally Morgan's husband. What a vile piece of work. I've never heard such rampant homophobia in my entire life. I couldn't believe it. And it's online. And all because he didn't know, and I'll tell you about Mark Tilbrook as well, he didn't know that he was wired up with, a, with either a recorder or a microphone. So consequently they got uh, Sally Morgan's husband spouting the most vile homophobia I've ever heard in my entire life. To be honest with you, if this had been anybody else, I'd have had the police out there and had him incarcerated. This man needs needs putting away. Really, really horrible stuff. He obviously, they, they, they put out a statement, so I'll read the statement as well. But once you've seen it and once you've heard it, you'll be thinking the same as everybody else who's seen it. Nasty piece of work. <laughs> Still to come on your early morning breakfast show. I think we're cooking with gas this morning. Incidentally, I must thank you all for the amount of money that we raised for Make Some Noise and for the videos which you've had a look at and had a laugh, and I don't mind you laughing as long as you donate some money at the same time. lady came up to me in Twicken me the other day and she said I couldn't get through, she said, but she gave me a fiver. I'll, just, I'll put it in my pocket. And uh, I shall put that into the tin for next week. £1.1 million we raised to help young people suffering from bereavement, illness, terminal and otherwise. And it was just a fantastic day. Very stressful, but very, very rewarding at the end. Lots more to come on your early morning breakfast show. More nude pictures. And David Beckham headlining another campaign, this time about Ebola. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen.
0: That and more is next. On FM. Online. On your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation. With Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850 Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, a really nice topic company. Linda Bellingham has filmed her final Loose
1: Women. That will air very, very shortly. Uh, The nervous X-Factor hopeful Stephanie Naylor was a school bully, according to lots of her friends. The splits in Towie, ooh, they are appearing. Hopefully we can get some new characters in and throw out some of the old, dull, boring ones. Uh, The Corrie fans who've complained about Deirdre Barlow's cardigan. Or just Deirdre Barlow. Kelly Maloney has blasted the trolls who've set up false Twitter accounts in her name. The oldest NHS sex change. And Fergie is back in favour. Puss, a warning of alcohol for pregnant women and convicted rapist, Ched Evans, looks likely to play for Sheffield United when he gets out of prison this week. All of that and more on LBC and your texts and emails between now and eight. And how easy it is for the police to spy on you. Yep, in three clicks, in any police station, they can access your telephone, your computer... They can get every piece of information off your computer without even leaving their desk. At the headquarters of every police force in this country, there is a small office called the Telecoms Intelligence Unit. OK? You, if you're a police officer, you know these exist. And their police officers can log directly into the mainframe computers of three of the four big mobile phone companies, Vodafone 3 and E, as well as BT and Internet Service Providers EE, comprising the former networks Orange and T-Mobile. uh, The police interface was called PLOD, an acronym for Police Liaison On-Screen Database. Armed with the required username and the passwords in a few keystrokes, the officers can retrieve confidential information from anybody's telephone or computer within minutes. That's what I've said to you. Every single person, you know, who's ever sent uh, a, a Twitter or they've trolled somebody... The police can get hold of it. Once they've got that phone number, which, of course, is easy, it just comes up. You can see it on the screen. I remember years ago when LBC first uh, put in the phone system, you couldn't see somebody's phone number coming in, so they would phone you and you would write it. You'd write it down on a list. Now somebody calls, their phone number comes up. You can click on it, you can see every other phone call that they've made. It's all information that is widely available. Like somebody getting hold of your computer and going into its inner memory. And then you can find, you know, what people have been accessing, whether they've accessed porn sites or whether they've accessed all sorts of things that they shouldn't have done. That's how they know. And there are certain things which are thrown up in, in police stations. So if somebody's accessed sites about terrorism and stuff like that, that will highlight it. It will be a, something for them to look at. And they just go on to it. You don't know. You don't know that somebody's been on your computer. You've got no idea. And on your phone, even easier. So when that woman... The other week targeted the McCanns and sent for over 4,000 of these hateful messages to them. Every single critic that I've read this week. Because after she died, after she took her own life, then the internet trolls started on on the Sky Reporter. And every journalist, without without a shadow of a doubt, every journalist leapt to his defence saying why should he be sacked what for exposing a vile woman like that he didn't expose her he just went round to find out who she was she'd already been exposed the newspapers had already exposed her he went round there with a film crew to doorstep her which is quite normal practice they do it to everybody every time you see a, a, a piece on the television and you see something about a particular person they've doorstepped them they've gone there and gone excuse me do you have any comment on this you see that all the time nothing new about it and at the beginning of that day, Martin would have gone into the news meeting, because they always have news meetings at the beginning of the day, and they allocate the stories, and they go, right, we're going to cover this, 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 and this. Uh, Ebola will be covered by somebody up in Scotland, or we'll be covering the airport, blah, blah, blah. Martin, can you go down to this village and doorstep this uh, woman and find out why why she did it? So off he trots with the film crew. It's as simple as that. So it was interesting to watch all the other ones, because they started monitoring all the people who then started, you know, tackling the journalists and the people who wrote these stories, some of the internet trolls, so the internet trolls themselves have now had their numbers passed on to the police. So they don't waste any time. You know, nowadays there are, there are lots of facilities there for, for sorting out people who, who want to write this sort of vile thing. So I'm quite pleased, quite pleased that policey plod can spy on the phone in just uh, three clicks. You can have it. We used to have a reverse telephone book. You ever heard of such a thing? A reverse telephone book. They've got them in, in a lot of places. Normally, you have a telephone book and you go for somebody's name, and uh, and then it shows you their number if they're in if they're in the phone book. In the reverse telephone book, it shows you the numbers, all the numbers, and then next to the number is the address. Not difficult, is it? Uh, Andrew and Fergie's derelict South York turns into a bat cave. This was very old. This was bought by um, uh, a Kazakh tycoon called Timur. He paid £15 million, which was £3 million more than the asking price. These people got so much money. They're just buying and currying favour with the royal family. And this was the place that was given to Sarah and Andrew in those happy days when they might have been together or not. And so it's just it's just fallen down. It's got bats in there and everything else. So now you can't do anything at all with it because bats are protected. So that's why when, when churches get bats in the belfry, they go, oh, no, they don't really want them. They're very pretty. But they don't really want them there because it means you can't do anything at all. And now in this particular house, they've got uh, bats roosting under the roof. They're hoping to knock it down and put up another place. It was a bit tacky, to say the least. It was very tacky. But the good news is for Sarah Ferguson, she's been invited back Excuse <coughs> me, into the royal family. Well, with the exception of Prince Philip, he can't stand her. He hasn't spoken to her for four years. And why would he? Why would he? You know, she, uh, she didn't do anything for the royal family. She was banned from Balmoral for donkey's years. Donkey's years. All the rest of the family were up there. I think they saw her as a bit tacky. I think they saw poor old Sarah Ferguson as uh, a little bit naff. It was her father who used to visit massage parlours. You know, ma- ma- Major Ron used to enjoy a bit of the old, uh, the old massage parlours. And uh, not with us anymore, of course. And so Sarah Ferguson then spent her life wandering around the world, not really knowing what to do. But in America, they love anything with a royal connection. The fact she, you know, she, she wasn't particularly royal and she was quite indiscreet, uh, was neither here nor there. They just liked it. So she milked it for as much as she could. She got her freebies left, right and centre. She signed up to Weight Watchers to be their spokesman. She did it. She'll do anything for the money. She wasn't just particularly bothered. And I believe that Prince Andrew still supports her. And she has access to a house in uh, in the grounds of it's either Windsor Great Park. There's a house down there. Or Sandra, I can't remember where it is. But anyway, uh, she's being allowed to use um, Windsor Castle for her party. And so she's invited 300 people. I personally didn't think she knew 300 people. And as she's the, the Nafis member of the royal family, not that she's royal anymore, uh, I think the Queen must be going, oh, do it. And Andrew's gone, oh, come on, Mum. Come on, let her let have... Oh, all right, once. <laughs> I'm very disappointed, Steve, that you don't see the funny side of Gogglebox. I don't get it. I do not understand us watching two or three people or four people or five people watching a television. What's the point of that? You really must get a life. You really must get a life. I've spent most of the night at the Out of uh, Hours, with the emphasis on hours and hours, Doctor. Your comment on what happened to Robin Hood when the leaves fell in autumn, leaving the merry men the only green things for miles around, hurt me laughing, but it was well worth it, says Patrick. That's what I like to know. Thank you very much indeed. Yes, I thought it was quite funny, because I actually built an an image up in my mind, (laughs) which is good. Oh, look, here she is again. This is uh, Millie McIntosh. You really must stay in more, Millie. I'm really a bit bored with seeing you out on the town in your thin-as-a-rake little funny outfits and uh, your funny little husband. And so they were all there uh, and they went out. They went to the... I don't know if it's the Mandarin Hotel or the Mondrian Hotel. And somebody here who was out and about on the town, Charlotte Griffiths, and her social diary. And she says, I watched gobsmacked as Nick Grimshaw and Graham Norton, along with Millie McIntosh and Professor Green, returned from the smoking terrace, only to be told they were not welcome back in. It seems that while they'd nipped out for a cigarette, more guests had arrived, and the venue, once owned by uh, the Studio 54 Nightclub in New York, reached capacity. Uh, A spokesman for the hotel confirmed they were not let back in for health and safety reasons. I know, it's not that just Mickey Mac... Mickey Macintosh... Millie Macintosh is tacky, is it? It's because she looks a bit tacky. You know, I mean, really badly dressed, I'm afraid. She needs to eat more. Eat more. There's this new hot dog we found. It's on sale... I believe, at J.D. Weatherspoons. And it's something like 1,500 calories. And, it, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I thought a hot dog was a hot dog. They did it on one of the cooking programmes on the telly the other day, looking at a, at a hot dog. And somebody had cut... Oh, it looked delicious. I love hot dogs. I absolutely love hot dogs. I went the other day. I was a bit naughty. I was on Saturday morning. I got a bit early. And I wanted to cook breakfast, but I couldn't be bothered to cook it. And I thought, I'll wander up the high street and see what's open. And the only thing that was open was Greg's. And, and I've been in Greg's a few times, because they're, they're, they're sort of... I, I like the cakes. I don't have them very often, as you can imagine. And uh, I was sort of looking there, and she said, I'll be back within a minute, which was actually just as well, because I looked over, and they had little sausages. I said, oh, you've got sausages? They were about, about three inches long, something, three inches long sausages. And so I said, oh, do you do sausages in a roll? She said, yes. Would you like the roll buttered? I said, no, thank you. So she put three sausages in this bread roll. Nice, crispy bread roll. And she said, would you like some, some uh, ketchup? I said, no, thank you. And I walked out of the shop. I bought two. And I ate six sausages. I didn't eat the bread roll. I had little bits of the bread roll, but I ate the sausages. They were delicious. <laughs> Absolutely delicious. <laughs> I can't tell you how exciting it was. Very, very exciting. Oh, look, lovely picture of Mel Baggage. That's Mel B. And here she is with lots and lots of bags. How is it she's got all these bags of luggage and yet still manages to look like a complete wreck on the television? She really does look bad. She must be wearing wigs all the time. It must be wigs, because her hair's actually quite short. And so she's backwards and forwards. So, and the family are relocating to the UK from their Los Angeles home for the duration of the talent show. So that's why I presume they've got all these, all these bags. Luckily, it's all girls in their family, so it doesn't make any difference. You know, they just use loads and loads and loads. The NHS treating people who smoke or get fat, so I deserve my op. Aged 81, it's a sex change. It's about the oldest. Uh, is it a waste of money? Yes, says the co-director of Patient Concern. Um, yeah. No, says psychologist Susan Quilliam. They all say no, don't they? They say it's incredibly brave of her. However minor the operation, it's not a trivial change, it's not like a tattoo. Good Lord, there's you preaching to the converted and telling us something we all assumed in the first place. I assumed having a sex change was just like having a tattoo, dear. You really do treat us as idiots, don't you? Quarter past seven. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. For those people who haven't quite pulled themselves back together yet uh, after last night. Still to come, Sally Morgan's vile husband's rant. I mean, you can't believe this. This is just dreadful. And she was just checking out her page. She, does, uh, she offers psychic readings to Sally Morgan. In fact, it's so lucrative, she has 40 people manning the phones. 40 people. Apparently, they're all gifted with, uh the most amazing things. It's almost. It's a gift from heaven, isn't it, really? And uh, in the papers as well today, we'll talk about Coronation Street. Emmerdale, though, comes under the spotlight with uh, uh, one here, Priya and Rakesh. Uh, this is Fiona Wade who's in there, and she says, I'm blessed with brilliant storylines. I'd rather be seen as a really good actress than a sex symbol. So here she is posing in her underwear. Well, say goodbye to your acting career, love. That's about as far as it's going to go. I mean, really, I mean, surely you can't be that dim. You know, I'd rather be seen as a good actress. What on earth are you posing in your underwear for? I bet your parents must be really thrilled. She said, um, I know I'm a sex symbol. In your, in your own mind, love. I don't think in anybody else's. Over in Coronation Street, no such thing as a sex symbol there. They bump them off, thank goodness. But here is uh, poor Anne Kirkbride. She's been targeted for some of the cardigans she's wearing recently. Co-star Anthony Cotton, who plays Sean Tolly, says, People have things to say about all sorts of things. We've had people phone up after seeing Deirdre in a cardigan. They call and say, That cardigan, a cardigan she had and I don't like it. Can you make sure she doesn't wear it again? Who are these people? they believe it's real or something? Are they so doolally when they watch programmes like that? <laughs> I'd rather they all went out there and ate Britain's biggest hot dog. It's 1,095 calories. It's a barbecue hog dog. Now, in America, the hot dog is a bit of an art form. You can go to places where they do chilli dogs and chilli cheese, chilli cheese nacho dogs. They, what they, I mean, this thing ends up becoming like a meal for an entire family. Over here at JD Wetherspoons, um, they've added chips. The average person does... Uh, 2,000 calories a day, and men, 2,500. This is about 1,778 by the time you've finished. I mean, a McDonald's Big Tasty Burger with bacon has 890 calories. That's nearly 1,000 calories. At KFC, the Zinger Tower Burger has 620 calories calories. Uh, Burger King, known for its mega meals, only serves burgers under a 1,000 calories. it oh, will be good. The double Angus smoked bacon and cheese comes in at 940, while the barbecue double steakhouse at 965. I mean, this hot dog here looks quite nice, actually. It's uh, pulled pork and cheese, and it comes with onion rings, and it uh, looks delicious. <laughs> Absolutely delicious. I wouldn't want to eat it, but it does look delicious. You know, as somebody who sort of enjoys hot dogs. Lovely. Who's this here? This is Chanel Hayes. Good God, I not know she was still alive. Chanel Hayes is still going, ladies and gentlemen. No, I don't know if she was either. She apparently uh, was on about 500 years ago on the television in, uh, in Big Brother. And uh, that's about all you can say about her. She's, uh, she's nobody at all. Uh, Gary Bushel talking about TOWIE, all about orange people flirting and fighting. And uh, very odd people they are too. And uh, and then it's uh, Jennifer Lopez. She's been offered more than... Oh, no, three former loves of Jennifer have been offered more than £7 million to blow the lid off their romance with a singing superstar. What on earth would you want to know anything about that? Presumably she's singing... I mean, unless she's got three bottoms or something, I don't really see there's any any problem at all. There's a TV Extra told he wasn't good enough to play a corpse... Has landed a role in a Hollywood film. OK, that's good. And Kelly Maloney. Yes, all of a sudden you can't keep a, a good one down. Has blasted the trolls who set up false Twitter accounts in her name to abuse her cross-dressing and transgender fans. And so it goes on. But, er, uh, it's, it's interesting. I've read through all the nasty comments. I'm flattered they think I'm important enough to impersonate. I know, it's quite sweet, isn't it, really? You have to look at it as a form of flattery. Also, it's stalking at the same time. I think the stalking bit probably is the uh, is the best bit. Um, And also, Kerry Katona's mother, I'm afraid, is in the paper. Sorry about this, but um, uh, Kerry Katona's uh, mum had lots of pictures of the kids and of Kerry Katona. Uh, They were on a camera and a laptop, which were nicked from Sue's home, with jewellery and cash. Lovely. Uh, Apparently, a source said they took her laptop, spare phone and a camera filled with snaps of Kerry and the kids that she'll never get back. She's been crying ever since. What, just contact OK Magazine. They'll have them all already, dear. They've they, they printed every single picture since the conception, so I, would, I wouldn't worry about it. She doesn't know if the Raiders targeted her. She's Kerry's mum. I, I shouldn't imagine anybody, nobody knows who you are. I'm so Sorry. But apparently it's got lots of uh, pictures of the, of the children. Well, yeah. But as I say, just contact OK Magazine. She sold every aspect of it. Won't make any difference at all. So anyway, here is this story. Now this came to... Am I on? No, I'll do it the other side of the news. I'll save it because it's, it's, I want to get it right. I want to make sure that you understand exactly how awful Sally Morgan's husband is. I mean, you've never, seriously, never heard a rant like this one in your entire life. Uh, Malcolm says, Martians are always depicted as little green men. Uh, as Mars is the red planet, shouldn't they be red? I, don't, I Do not you know, I don't understand it at all. I don't know why men from outer space had to be green. I really don't know where, where it all stemmed from, but all I know is that people seem to enjoy the idea that there could be people from another planet uh, watching us, even as we sit here now, even as I sit here. I'm quite sure if Sally Morgan was in this studio, there'd be somebody next to me. My mother probably would come back and be standing next to me. She's here now. She's here now. So, so, so laugh. Christo was so right when he said it's kind of like a guilty pleasure. You sit there going, this is the biggest pile of rubbish I've ever seen in my entire life. But funny at the same time. Um, I think actually our our, um, uh, emails must be down. I'm pretty certain the emails are down. Because only got one in at four minutes past, uh, six minutes past four, and that was the last time that one came in and I know for a fact that we get loads of emails down, so uh, i shall I shall have a have a check on that. Katie Piper today is doing the uh, the guest columnisting lovely too. She talks about Charlie King, who this week came out as gay, but of course everybody told him years ago that yes he was gay, and he said no he wasn 't and uh, she says, I-, I miss him. He dated Gemma Collins on the show and decided and um, denied rumours that he was gay. He originally came out as bisexual, which is what they all do, don't they? They come out as bisexual, because I think if you say gay, it sounds a bit bad. And uh, she said, I hope he can move on with his life. He's good-looking, he'll do fine, absolutely fine. He's better off out the show. And In fact, the show will be better off without Gemma Collins and Bobby Cole Norris and I think Ricky Raymond and uh, his ghastly girlfriend. I think we have to get rid of all of them. The trouble is they can't find anybody else. That's that's the problem that they have at the moment. The problem that they have is they cannot find enough people to go into it that, that we don't like. Because after a while, you do hate them. So he actually got out at a very good time and uh, and is forging a career doing other things, which I think is, is definitely the way forward. She talks about Greg Wallace, the first to be voted off strictly because he can't dance and he's creepy. That's why. He can't dance and he's creepy. And uh, she says... Uh, he later admitted he was terrified every time he performed he was having panic attacks. Yes, so, so panicky, when he took the money to the bank, he really panicked over paying that little lot in, didn't he? That's why I never believe a word these people say. It's all a load of old codswallop. We don't, uh, we don't believe a word, they say. Uh, more on um, Linda Bellingham. In fact, all the papers cover Linda Bellingham, which is, which is lovely. Uh, and Susan Boyle. And, uh, and Brooks Newmark, who's had to make a second grovelling apology. We've already had one, now we've got the second one going on because they've got more pictures. Luckily, you don't see an awful lot. There's also the scandal of the dumped NHS gear. Now, I don't know if uh, Stig and Petrie will talk about this today, but they found pictures of recycling centres where there's Zimmer frames, wheelchairs, walking sticks, crutches. They either sell them in charity shops or they, or they sell them for scrap. Can't quite work it out. I mean, one of the hospitals said, don't bother bringing the crutches back, so people tend to to hang on to them, which I find slightly worrying, slightly worrying. Adele? This is the woman here who's who's earning... What did we say the other day? Was it £86,000 a week? £86,000 a week. She hasn't had an album out for ages and ages. And so £86,000 a week. David McIntosh obviously has some sort of agent who's trying to push him our way. I'm a little bit bored with him. This is a man who got kicked off the celebrity Big Brother because he wasn't a celebrity at all. And he was very boring and he went out. His only claim to fame was that he went out with Kelly Brook... But there again, she's been out with loads of people. Um, that was it. So they put him on the programme, and then everybody went, oh, no, get rid of him, get rid of him. Carol Malone talks about uh, the tax dodgers' Barlow belt and uh, the tragic troll legacy, which we'll come round to, and Sally Morgan's husband, all
0: after this. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning,
1: everybody. Nice to have company. Welcome to Sunday morning. Stig and Petrie will be along at 8 o'clock today, and I think it's going to be nice... For this morning, mid-afternoon, heaven's going to open, a lot of people running today, which is, uh, which is good news, raising hopefully an awful lot of money. It's been a, been a week for, for running, but today's the Royal Park's half marathon, and that's going to be in Hyde Park, and I think they finished down the mall, and there's bottles of water, and like, oh, it's going to be absolutely a block London. And there's something going on in Trafalgar Square, and I don't know what it is, and the reason I don't know, I'm sure that somebody has probably sent me something, but the computer has crashed in the email department, and it's what they call an error. That's all I can tell you. It's an error. I don't know anything about errors. So yesterday, uh, I get an email from somebody who says, you have to see this. This is really bizarre. This is Sally Morgan, the psychic's husband, called John, I believe. OK, the the story begins with a guy called Mark Tilbrook. Mark Tilbrook uh, is obviously a bit of a sceptic. And what he does, he goes along to various people... There is people shows, who do these sort of shows, and, uh, and he hands out leaflets. They make it sound as though he's in the theatre handing out a leaflet, but he's not. He's standing outside, well away from the stage door. This particular incident took place at the Shaw Theatre, and uh, he said in a, in a statement as well that he's never actually approached either Sally Morgan or her husband or her son-in-law or anything like that, he just hands out, always, he always goes to them, are you go to Sally Morgan's show, and he hands out a leaflet. Loads of people hand out leaflets. Anyway, in this particular time, overstrips the uh, the rather large and foul-mouthed, as it turned out, John Morgan, who is Sally's husband. Now, bearing in mind, this bloke has been to a few of the shows, he's handed out things saying, you know, do you know what you're going to see? You know, are you aware of this? Blah, 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 blah. And so it goes on, and they quite clearly don't like it. They quite clearly don't like it to the point of John Morgan comes up with the kind of filth I seriously didn't think I would ever be hearing from Sally Morgan's husband. I really didn't. He threatens him, he calls him every name under the sun. He doesn't know the word gay, Sally Morgan's husband. He calls him a poof. And this bloke says, What, you think I'm gay? He quite clearly is really stupid. And he, he labours this point, and the stuff he comes up with is just horrendous. I mean, it really is awful. And then, I think it's Sally's son-in-law chips in as well, and they make what can only be described as a thinly veiled threat to have him done in. Seriously, you cannot believe this. Go onto the internet and type it in, and you watch this video because the uh, the guy concerned, whose name again is Mark Tilbrook, um, had a hidden camera on him. Just to prove that he never approached them, they approach him. They've actually said, oh, we've had to call the police and have him removed. He said, I've never been removed by the police at all. There's no law against standing outside a theatre handing out leaflets. And he was... uh, I know the Shaw Theatre because I've played it myself a few times. And he was well away from the front door, which he wouldn't walk out of anyway because they've got a stage door. And, um... The language that comes out of Sally Morgan's husband and the accusations are just pure and unadulterated filth. That's the only way... I, I sat there, a friend of mine said, you can't believe it, can you? You can't believe that this man, I mean, quite clearly, there's a very, very nasty side to him. And it doesn't really matter, actually, whether or not somebody believes in Sally Morgan or whether they don't. There is no excuse for the homophobia against a man who's not even gay that came out of John Morgan's mouth. And the uh, the son-in-law... So in the end, quite clearly, trying to do damage limitation, Sally Morgan Enterprises, for that read, Sally Morgan, has to issue a statement. And she says, I would like to apologise for any offence caused by the material. (laughs) I would think so too. Why don't you just put down rampant homophobia? That would make it a lot easier, Sally. Since April 2014, okay, we're only in October... Mark Tilbrook has targeted... Oh, so she didn't write it. Mark Tilbrook has targeted Sally Morgan's live performances, handing out leaflets to audience members. On several occasions, theatre staff have had to call the police in order to get him removed. Load of cobblers. Apparently cobblers, he says. Why would theatre staff come outside the theatre to have somebody removed who's standing on a pavement? Never happens. Never, ever. There's no law against handing out things on the pavement. The first thing that I think you'll find John Morgan says is uh, we're taking you to court for libel. He said, there's nothing libelous in these things. I'm just asking a question. So uh, then it goes on. And uh, she says here, given the abuse Sally has endured over the past three years, they're, they're, they're trying to link it to him, but of course it's nothing to do with him, which included several death threats and incidents of stalking, Sally was left fearing for her own safety once again. He's sta- bearing in mind, he's standing outside a theatre, handing out a leaflet. OK? He's, he's within about 30 feet of the front door. Due to the... Bear in mind, he's, he's not even spoken to her. She just sent out the thug of a husband. Due to the continued, continual presence of Mark Tilbrook and John Morgan's ever-growing concern for Sally, he reacted angrily and out of character. What? Well, that's... That, really, I thought that was normal language for him. Sally was not aware of the comments made in this video. She's very upset by the events, none more so than Mark Tilbrook, does not condone any of the behaviour and can only assume this was the cause of persistent hounding that led to this altercation... What, what, because he's handed out leaflets, Sally? Grow up. Although the Psychic Awareness Month hosted by Good Thinking Society has come to light in recent weeks, the original leaflet given out by Mark Tilbrook contained different information which both Sally and SME felt made targeted references to her and not psychics in general, hence why legal advice has been taken. No charges have been pressed at all. Not arrested by the police, not asked to move on. You can't ask somebody to move on. As Mark Tilbrook said in this video, he said, I'm only standing on the pavement handing out a leaflet. What's the law about that? There's no law about that at all. No law at all. But once you've seen Sally Morgan's husband's rant and you've listened to the foul language that emerges from his mouth, I can only assume he must have gone back into the theatre and said, I've just... And and it's been bleeped all the way through. It has to be because he makes allegations about uh, other people as well. And the stuff he comes up with, this man is quite clearly sick. Sick, absolutely dreadful. I couldn't believe it. Ugh, oh, dreadful. Anyway, you can check it out on the internet and find out yourself. Uh, my son has ordered the hot dog you mentioned. He managed to eat about two-thirds of it. I'm amazed, actually, that people would order that. No, I'm, I'm not saying I don't like hot dogs. They do hot dogs as well in Greg's. They're actually quite nice. Malcolm says, if Greg has been kicked off strictly because he's creepy, how come Tony Beak's still there? I don't know. She's admitted, hasn't she? the woman he's dancing with, that she can't dance for Toffee. And uh, I would think she's there fraudulently. She's also admitted she's had Botox. I don't know why you'd ever admit you had Botox. I mean, it didn't, does that make any difference to your dancing? In her case, definitely not. And it's certainly not worked. If it's supposed to sort of take away the years, it's not worked at all, I'm afraid. Poor little Judy. Poor little Judy. Um, <laughs> Steve says, that two women knocked on my front door yesterday and asked what bread I eat. I replied, I only like white bread. Then, then gave me a lecture for half an hour on the goodness of brown bread. Bloody Hovis witnesses. Bloody Hovis. It's an old one, but it's it's good. And we, we like to sometimes repeat old ones on the programme. And uh, Chris says, my sister-in-law went to a medium after my brother died. I asked if he said anything. She said he couldn't stop as he was off to play pool. It is funny, isn't it? You have to laugh. But people like this kind of thing. If they Listen, if they like that kind of thing... I remember a friend of mine, his uh, his wife was dying of cancer, and he went to a medium as well, hoping to fry, find some sort of crum- comfort, some crumb of comfort. And, uh, and he did. It made him feel a bit better. So for that reason... But just remember, they're sold as an entertainment. It's an entertainment. There is no... There is nothing else. She doesn't have... She's not allowed to say that she's talking to the dead. It's an entertaining evening that's what it is it's an entertainment because otherwise i think it's illegal certainly used to be on the radio certainly used to be on the radio we weren't allowed to say that somebody was allowed to talk to the dead uh, it was an entertainment there's a there's a story in the paper today which frightened the life out of me sun shining off a mirror onto curtains caused them to set on fire in this couple's bedroom now I mean how many times we've all got mirrors in the bedroom yeah okay the ceiling's just slightly different i agree that of two, Simon Worthington and his wife, Serena, had moved into their £2 million home on Friday. Flames devastated the bedroom and there was um, smoke damage throughout the 100-year-old home. Sounds delightful, doesn't it? £2 million. I went to Knight Frank's website the other day. I was having one of my fantasy days after two glasses of Prosecco. And I was looking at houses in London. The most expensive house they've got on their book at the moment is £68 million. It's quite normal around Kensington and Knightsbridge and around here, around Westminster, to find houses at £35 million. I don't know who affords them. There's one in um, Parsons Green, which I like the look of. It's only about £4 million, I think, and it's got a swimming pool. Oh, it looks delicious. It looks absolutely delicious. I thought if ever I won the lottery, I'd be buying a house like that. The idea of sort of, you know, saying to your friends, do you want to come back and I've got a pool? You know, I think, I think it's a winner. I think is a winner. Uh, more on... Uh, the uh, the torment of Jimmy Tarbuck, who says it's just a thrill walking back on stage or playing in the Premier League. Um, and he was, he was gutted. They're now saying they need to change the rules, don't they, on a lot of these historical sex offences. It, it would make it an awful lot easier. And so people weren't sitting there for, for weeks and weeks on end. And in the case of uh, Paul Gambaccini, a year. A year. Uh, more in the papers of uh, Brooks Newmark who's now said that he's uh, going to seek psychiatric help. I don't think it's psychiatric help. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to sort of think that it's something... I don't think it is psychiatric help he needs. He just likes doing, obviously, things like that. You know, people do take selfies, don't they? They take a picture of themselves. And I, I personally couldn't do it. I don't want anybody laughing. You know, the very idea that you'd stand there in the bathroom mirror with your camera on, taking a picture of yourself. No, thank you. No, thank you. Not so good. Not so good. Uh, Ali, Muhammad Ali, is now so ill that he can't talk. That's in a lot of the, the papers for today. And uh, thousands of homecoming heroes facing the job scrap People be thrown a lifeline. David Cameron is to launch the biggest ever overhaul of services to make it easier for troops and families to adapt to life outside the forces. It's tough. For anybody who's been in the forces listening to this programme, you know exactly how tough it is to go from uh, being cosseted on camp to having everything there to all of a sudden being out in the real world. It's not pleasant for a lot of these guys. It really isn't. Quarter to eight. We get probably ten to eight. Uh, just ten minutes left out of the program this morning. Sorry about the uh, the email situation. I don't know why the computer's having one of its mare of a days where it sort of just it just gives up the ghost and it goes, no, we're not going to give you any emails at all today. Uh, read your comments about Lake Como, say Jerry and Mavis. Always raining. We've just got back and you're so right, but the lakes and villages are lovely. I know, there's something appealing about it, but it is, it's just persistently raining there. I don't know why, it just just drives everybody mad. But I'm glad you had a nice time, because when I sent people there before, they've gone, oh, uh, lovely, but, but very wet, very very wet, <laughs> not so good. Karen Malone talking about uh, Gary Barlow, who reckons fans don't give a damn about take that £20 million tax scandal. Well, I bet some do, she says. Maybe those who are dying because of an NHS which is on its knees, partly thanks to the super-rich who refuse to pay their taxes. Maybe the parents who can't get their kids into a decent school. Maybe the people who work but need benefits because they're paid a pittance and they still can't afford to eat. Barlow, Jimmy Carr and all those other celebs who use their vast wealth to avoid paying what the little people have no choice to pay should be ashamed because every penny they dodge comes out of the pockets of those who already have nothing. Robson Green recently called celebrity tax dodgers rude word, which she said is uh, is about right. Seems fair enough, doesn't it? And uh, Dawn says, you're making me laugh on my way to work. <laughs> David says, if Sally Morgan can talk to the dead, why isn't she a judge on X Factor? That would be interesting. Why can't she come up with it? Why can't she ask her spirit guide what the lottery numbers are? Because there is no spirit guide. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> oh, dear me. I don't know. Uh, 84850, steve at LBC.co.uk. Don't forget, uh, this evening, we repeat Stephen Fry and Sharon Corr for In Conversation. Uh, nine o'clock, and you can download it as well. Cara also talks about uh, Brenda Leyland, who took her own life... This was after she was confronted by posting abusive tweets about the McCanns. Not just one or two, but as we discovered subsequently, over 4,000. Her death was tragic and shocking, but does it mean those hardcore trolls who spew out lies and filth on Twitter should not be exposed? Surely, she says, it's more urgent than ever, because now we know trolling costs lives, and it's many victims now want the bullies reined in and, in the worst cases, prosecuted. Absolutely. Absolutely. Had uh, had Brenda Leyland still been alive, undoubtedly she would have been prosecuted. Because of this, we allow the tsunami of hatred on social media to continue. There's going to be more deaths with victims and abusers taking their own lives. In my column last week, I asked what had been going on in Brenda Leyland's head. Why, for four years, had she obsessively been tweeting vicious messages about Madeleine's parents? I asked, was she sad or lonely? Or did she get some kind of twisted kick from hurting this broken family? Only Brenda Leyland knows that. Only Brenda knew why she took her own life. Nothing, I said, impacted on her as she was dead long before my column was published. But the fact remains, the media had a bigger responsibility than ever to expose this kind of bullying. And so she goes on and she's absolutely right. These people, you know, there she was, sitting behind her twitching neck curtains, but writing bile, absolutely bile. She knew it was wrong. She knew that, that, you know, trolls don't connect. She knew when she was doorstep, first of all, she denied it. And then she went, yes, I can do what I want to do. And then, obviously, she decided she couldn't. You know, it says here, Brenda Layden was catapulted into the public eye for just two days as a result of her tweets about the McCanns. But there have been... They've been hounded and viciously abused for seven years, yet the trolls refuse to accept that's wrong. They call their vicious missives My Opinion, but it's actually online thuggery. I've had a taste of that thuggery this week, the kind of depraved abuse the McCanns and others have been dealing with for years. As a female journalist, it goes with the territory, but it can't be the case. These bullies and cowards, often hiding behind fake names, can terrorise people without legal consequences. And as for the tragic, as Brenda Leyland's death is, police and journalists cannot be expected not to confront those who have threatened murder or been vicious for fear they might kill themselves. Absolutely. absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. In fact, I'm sure we said that last week. These people have to be exposed, and whatever happens, very sad that Brenda Leyland took her own life, but she was a vile internet troll. Vile. Nobody knew what was going on, and as I said last week, they kept saying, oh, she was a 63-year-old churchgoer in Middle England. I mean, quite clearly... That was, the, that was the thing that went wrong for her. Guess who's coming up on Loose Women on Monday? We've waited for this one. I'm so excited. Judy Finnegan's going to make a welcome return to television. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it. Because now they make them walk onto the set which I find a little... I mean, it's as if they're sort of doing a television sort of theatrical presentation. It's a little bit disconcerting. But uh, we've waited ages because they announced we were going to be having all these people on there, and, and I was going, Judy Finnegan's coming back to television. Having told us quite blatantly that she wasn't coming back to television, she decided to, uh, to retire and write books and, and just put her feet up. And so now, since that's been announced, she's had about, what is it, three weeks? Three weeks? Four weeks? And now, finally, Judy Finnegan appears on Loose Women on Monday. Because apparently she likes a bit of a debate. Let's have a heated debate. And so she's going to be on the television. Can't wait to see this one. There'll be journalists up and down the length and breadth of the land watching Loose Women. For Judy Finnegan coming back to television. We always said if it hadn't been for Richard Madeley talking over her, she might have got a word in edgeways, poor soul. But she didn't. She didn't, so that's why we can't wait for Monday. It'll, she'll be absolutely bricking it, I should imagine, at the moment. I would think she'll be just going, "Oh no, why did I agree to do this at the last minute? You know, why did I agree to do it? Oh look, finally we got the emails back. Finally, the emails have have popped in, which is great. So let me try and whisk through as many as possible. Richard thinks I'm a national treasure, which probably means I was dug up somewhere and should be reburied again, which is great. Uh, I do think it's very important, says Caroline, that David Beckham raises awareness about the threat of the Ebola virus. I know that's great, isn't it? Because one day, whiskey, the other day, pants. And uh, then Ebola is the nothing this man cannot talk about. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've just watched the video of John Morgan, says Lee. can only hope the police look at it. It's dreadful, isn't it? I mean, I couldn't believe how bad it was. I seriously couldn't believe... That it, was, that it was that bad. I mean, it really was absolutely terrible. Uh, Read really the couple who danced to America. It was Rita Moreno who danced to America, not Natalie Wood, says Jeannie. Was it? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never mentioned that, actually. I haven't done that at all. Uh, Neil says Alan Hansen was interviewed by Gary Lunica when he left Match of the Day and said he was retiring from television so he could spend more time with his family. Sounds like a couple of months later, he's changed his mind. I wonder if it's the money. hope Noreen had a good evening at the 60s concert. She did. She's very tired. <laughs> very, very tired. As indeed you can imagine she would be. Um, James says, the Italian guy on X Factor, great voice, but when he speaks, doesn't he rather remind you of Borat? I know. He t- I mean, he doesn't look right, does he? He doesn't look right, but does it, does it matter? Does it matter? Um, the video... Uh, says, Martin, I just viewed, appears to show somebody in a threatening mood but shows no sign of being scared, phobic of gay homosexuality. Should the adjective be changed from the sensational? No, I don't think so. don't think so. One here. Uh, Jan, off to the tower again. said, you don't really get the enormity of the installation until you're in the moat. 600,000 there now. It's a lovely picture, isn't it? Thank you for that. Really absolutely wonderful. And, um... Enjoyed your Sharon Court interview. Got loads of uh, people there. And uh, Jeannie says, Donnie looked weird. Um, So it was... Oh, he was talking about that. I don't know. I didn't see that, but I just saw him on there. I didn't know what he was actually... uh, What he was actually doing. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And that's just about... I think we've just run out, actually. Uh, Two very interesting interviews. You're cooking with gas this morning, says Julietta. I know. I thought we were cooking with gas when we started the programme. There were so many good stories. I'm just wondering if any of the uh, newspapers are going to pick up on Sally Morgan's husband. I wonder. Have you seen it? Amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. I think people are frightened of her in case she starts talking to your dead sister or something and she comes back and hits you over there with a frying pan. That's what it is. Uh, And thank you for the recommendation, say Stuart and Rob, for Jill Millard Shapiro's book of The Windmill. It is great, isn't it? It's not the cheapest book we've ever had, but it's certainly lovely. Just about it for this morning. You can download this programme if you go to lbc.co.uk and uh, it'll be up there probably about half an hour's time. And then you can listen again and we're back again tomorrow morning with you. And if you want to continue giving to make some noise, then there's a link on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. I'll be back again tomorrow morning at four. The repeat of In Conversation is this evening at nine o'clock. That's just after Clive Bull. And uh, just before Duncan gets going, and his video is very good and worth watching, as is Clyde, but it should have been my song. And uh, we'll do it again tomorrow morning from four as we wander through the papers to see what lovely goodies they have for us this week. I've got a, I've got a rough idea of some of the stories that might be in there, but I'm sure that Stig and Petrie will tell you more after the news.
0: Thanks, Steve, you roguish old cad. Coming up in today's show, Jennifer Lawrence, one of the celebrities targeted in a nude photo leak, has said that the leak should be viewed as a sex crime. But are they? Also, in the week where UKIP have returned their first elected MP to government, we want to know which party has your vote and why. People from across the spectrum are beginning to vote UKIP in larger and larger numbers. We won our first MP. The Labour Party now are absolutely terrified. Of the UKIP vote. But first, Britain's Chief Medical Officer, Dame Sally Davis, says it's inevitable Ebola will come to Britain. Are we to blame for ignoring Ebola for so long? We want to know what you think. Give us a call, 0345 6060 973. From LBC, this is Stig Abel and Petrie Hoskin, and it all starts next